This is Trinity Western University's Chapel Podcast, where our daily chapel gatherings are captured and shared for the TWU community. Whatever your day looks like today, we're glad you're tuning in. Rebecca is the leader of The River, the campus-wide women's ministry. I've really enjoyed getting to know Rebecca this year. I've come to appreciate and trust her love for God and her love for others, her listening heart and her deep commitment to Christ. In our conversations, Rebecca over and over has used this very compelling phrase with me this year. She often talks about rewriting our narratives or inviting Christ to rewrite our narratives. I love seeing the way, Rebecca, you allow Christ to rewrite your own narrative and the way you vulnerably invite us into your journey. And thank you for sharing that with us today. So I am delighted to welcome her to speak to us from her own journey of transformation. Let, us, let me pray for us as we begin. Lord Jesus, you who really do rewrite our narratives, who transform our pain, the lies we've believed, our joys and our struggles, and you bring them all to the foot of your cross. You bring them all deep into your heart and you come deep into our hearts by the spirit of comfort and companionship. Thank you for Rebecca. May our hearts be open to what you have to speak to us today through her as she speaks. Amen. I'm excited to be here today. This is awesome. Um, You know, somebody told me that before you speak or you do something like that, something bad or like unexpected happens just before. And that happened to me this morning as I came here, or I got in my car to drive here. Um, my door to my car wouldn't shut. Like it literally, like I don't know if there's like an ice jam or something in it, but I've got like this two-door Civic and it literally just like wouldn't shut. So I'm driving down 80th Avenue trying to get here. It's freezing cold and I'm like holding my door shut as I'm coming here. And um, I don't know if you guys, yeah, you probably don't know, but my car is the one that has the bungee cord closing the, the trunk. Like my car is already pretty much done. So I say that as kind of like a light story, but also if you guys know how to fix trunks or like know 2002 Honda two-door Civics, come talk to me. We can be friends after this. And yeah, that would be really great. Um, But anyway, I am really excited to be here today. So today I want to tell you bits of my story. You don't have to be governed by the lies that you tell yourself. The lies that the enemy tells you do not define you. Instead, you are defined by the love that Jesus shed for you on the cross. So I'm in my third year of the nursing program here and my fifth year at Trinity. I am much more comfortable sitting in the bleachers. (laughs) Or if I'm up here, I have a band behind me so that if I mess up on the lyrics, (laughs) they can cover my butt or something like that. But today I'm speaking, and I'm going to speak my story to you. So I was raised in Williams Lake, BC, um, born into, yeah, sweet. Um, 
I was born into a wonderful Christian family. Uh, I'm the third of four children. Um, and those of you who haven't made the connection yet, yes, I am Sam Corbett's older sister. So, nice. Nice to see you, Sam. Thanks for coming. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was involved in church. I, like I said, I was born to a Christian family. I did all the churchy things. I was a part of Sunday school and then youth group, and then I started leading worship. And um, I just, I did it all, and I loved it. But despite my ideal Christian upbringing, I still really struggled to believe that God loved me. Rebecca, just as I am. And I don't know if you guys can identify with that. Does God really love you just as you are with all of your flaws? So as I prepared for speaking today, I couldn't get the word acceptance out of my head. Initially, I was pretty frustrated because I thought acceptance was very Sunday school-esque and very generic. Um, and uh, I was like, oh man, like don't want to say that in front of people. But then I Googled it and it said this, acceptance is the action of consenting or to receive and undertake something that is offered. And that is exactly what I want to emphasize to you today. The beautiful message of the gospel is that though we are deeply flawed, we are even more deeply loved. Encountering the love of Jesus and his forgiveness allows us to see our, our stories as an opportunity to be narratives and lives rewritten and redeemed, available to God's purposes for our lives. So in elementary school, I started the practice of journaling. It was, it, yeah, it started out as a diary. It was nothing exciting. Um, but then as I've grown up and, um, you know, just matured a little bit, it became more about um, candid letters and prayers to God. And uh, as I reread these journals, it becomes really clear to me that they're, like, I repeat the same thing over and over and over again in my journals. There is specific themes woven throughout. I repeat the same things. That I recognize that the lie that I am unlovable and in need of control are at the root of most of my struggles. It's, in my journal, it's, you know, it's packaged differently, but it is the same lie. I realize, not, realize now that these beliefs are deeply rooted lies in my mind. I wonder if you can relate, if you have some in your mind now, or maybe as I continue to talk, some might pop up. But chances are these lies you believe don't sound anything like God. And you likely know that they're not true, but because they're so familiar, you act as if they were true. And every time that you act in agreement with a lie, it gains power over you. And what's tricky about lies is that you have no idea that you're believing them. They're so subtle. They're not obvious. And think about it, if they were obvious, you probably wouldn't be believing them. So, um, yeah, my years at Trinity here have been really formative, and they're not done yet. <laughs> I have one more year. Um, and uh, this has been a great place for me to be. I've loved it. Along with making lifelong friends, I've also been able to um, strengthen my relationship with God in, in different settings and also serve as a leader. I served as an RA and as a worship leader and now the river. Um, but... 
because of that, I feel like I am well acquainted with some of the unique struggles that are kind of among this community since I've just been here for a little while. And one of those being um, really caring about what people thought about me and, and what they think about me. And so, like in first year, I remember in chapel, I sat right there every day. Well, okay, not every day, I'm not like perfect. But um, when I came to chapel, I sat there in those bleachers because I was too afraid as a first year student to walk across this stage to anywhere else. And so I mean, my security was found right there. And then in second year, I made a shift over to the left and I sat right there. And I sat there because um, there was this dorm, four or five low, and uh, they had established that as their spots. And I thought that they were super cool. So naturally I found my way there and I just plunked myself down every day and I loved it. I was like, okay, I'm cool, it's great, awesome. And then in third year, um, another shift, crazy, I started sitting right here in this row. And that was because I started serving on the worship team and after we finished a set, we would sit here. So nothing profound, but still movement. And then in fourth year, you know what happened? I figured out that I didn't have to sit somewhere special in chapel. It actually doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. And nobody cares. Only I do. And so I say that, but you know, it was a deeply rooted lie in my head that I needed to sit somewhere in order to be seen or feel cool. And it's real. Maybe some of you think that right now, and maybe some of you are feeling a little convicted in your seat. That's fine. That's cool. But, you know, the list goes on of things that I got caught up in believing about myself. You know, the list goes on. Yeah, it's like wanting to be the it dorm, wanting to be, wanting to be seen by the cool boys dorm, trying to get the attention of the campus hottie, or comparing my academic excellence to other people, um, and the scholarships that I've gotten, trying to pick a major, that one, that one took a while. Um, and you know it's not a really big deal, but at the same time, it's kind of like the end of the world. Um, so yeah, I get that. And chances are, well, yeah, these are just some of the lies, and chances are you might not be familiar with all of them, but some of them might actually resonate with you. And these are lies. These are lies because they're not true. And they're harmful because they're not at all reflective of what God thinks of me. The truth is that I am made for a purpose way bigger than feeling cool, in control, or in the right seat. And so are you. I was looking for acceptance, acceptance in what other people thought about me. And in that moment, the truest thing about me became what other people thought. You know what the freakiest thing is? The freakiest thing is that every time we do something, we are either agreeing with a lie or a truth. So we could potentially be agreeing with a lie all the time. Like, all the time, and we have no idea. That's freaky to me, that's, that's a little scary. So it's just like me sitting there in second year, that's insignificant, nobody, Nobody like notice it goes behind the, on like off the radar, but I every time I sat there was like, if you 
like maybe a knife is a bit too graphic, but like something, it's just like it's wedging inside of me. It's like, yep, this is it. This is what you need. You need to sit here. And I was agreeing with that lie. So like take, for example, I don't know, the classic Trinity, let's go for coffee. Or, oh yeah, we're going to study at Lalem's before the big exam. Um, even that can be pointing to a lie. As harmless and as friendly as it seems, like either A, you're trying to meet your like quota of intentional time in order to be seen as influential, or B, you just want to be seen as a really, really friendly person and kind of perfect, so you go. And you know, if, those are, if that's the case, then those are both really self-seeking things. The truth is that it's never been about us. It's never been about me, and it's never been about you. Think about the first commandment. Exodus 20, verse 3 says that you shall have no gods before me. To be in right relationship with God, nothing can come before him. Not even a lie that you can't see. The times where I have agreed with um, the fact that I'm the center of my story has only brought confusion and bitterness into my life. My struggles for value and worth became very evident in high school. It seems petty now, but all I wanted was to be noticed. That's all I wanted. And I, um, yeah, I struggled with comparison, which eventually led me to an eating disorder. I thought that I could manage the pain of feeling unlovable by controlling it and exerting my own control. But I soon found that this outcome was less than satisfying. The comfort that this control offered me was very temporary, and it quickly just vanished, and it didn't solve any of my pain. What I wanted was popularity and attention, thinking that it would give me, give me value. But listening to this lie actually led me into isolation, bitterness, and chaos within my family. The lie governed me, and it didn't live up to what it promised. In the Exodus scripture that I talked about earlier, the verse before it reads, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. In reading the Exodus story, I had missed the most pivotal and important part. It was with God's strength that the Israelites were able to get into the promised land. It wasn't their own. It wasn't the fact that they just removed things from in front of God. It was that God was strong and he did that. As I look back now in high school, I'm really thankful for a family and friends who didn't let me succumb to those lies. Um, and I was able to actually gain freedom and, yeah, move on. And I was unhooked from the lie, but I understand that the vulnerability still remained. So this past summer, I was confronted with old lies again. Um, my spring semester, it was challenging academically and emotionally, and I was really tired. I was really, really tired. I wanted to just change it all. And I thought, what better way than to go to France? <laughs> Sounds like fun. Um, no, it was way more serious than that. Sorry, I shouldn't make that much light of it. But um, I chose to spend two months in France serving, and I served with a missionary family there. I, spoke, I taught English, and um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what, how the two months went. Um, but I had hoped that changing my external circumstances 
would change the internal problems, and it didn't. How many of you guys know that wherever you go, you bring yourself with you? I was reminded of that truth when I was there. Sometimes we think we can run away, but yeah, the external does not change the internal. I realize now that God did see my desire to be, like, become unstuck and to like, pursue him, but it came in a way of significant learning while I was there in France. I was there without my family or community or people that knew me, so it was pretty unfamiliar. And when I was there, I clung to Psalm 23. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the rest of my days, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Initially in France, I really struggled with feeling inadequate. I felt kind of, I don't know, just like, what am I doing here? What's the point? And um, the devil works like that, doesn't he? In the moments where we sincerely reach for God, he comes to destroy. I was so nervous while I was there. Who was I, a 23-year-old, very average French speaker coming to help these people? And um, I was antisocial and withdrawn. And if you guys know me, that's not really characteristic of me. Um, um, yeah, so that was the beginning of my France journey. And it only got worse. <laughs> um, it all got worse when I went on a weekend trip to visit my uncle who lives in Paris. Um, now, my uncle is a makeup artist. He floats with highly influential people, celebrities, Hollywood figures. He throws around the names like Victoria Beckham and Anne Hathaway, like he just went out for coffee with them. It's really weird, and I don't know how it happened, but whatever. Um, he kindly invited me to one of his dinner parties while I was there. And upon arrival, I realized I did not belong amongst all the people who were wearing Dolce & Gabbana and Prada. I showed up in my old navy and I was like, hey, how's it going? Wee oui, wee. Oui. Um, but among his friends was a very successful French model. And um, I saw her and I thought, wow, she's beautiful. I thought she was beautiful, but I, I was mistaken. She was very broken. After a few harsh, or a few drinks, um, harsh words flew from her mouth towards me. She said very pointed, very derogatory words about me, and she gave voice to the lies that I had feared most all of my life. She spoke them in front of other people across the dinner table. I was shocked and humiliated, and I was completely unprepared for the rude things that she was saying to me. It's even hard now to think about the things that she did and said to me. Her inappropriate words and even more inappropriate uninvited behavior towards me was really disturbing. I didn't know what to do. I left that day feeling absolutely shattered and violated, broken. And I was alone. I had no one to call. I was in the middle of Paris. My uncle was gone. I was alone. I had no lifeline. It was like Satan was trying one more time to break me emotionally and spiritually. I was faced with the choice. I could either believe what she said about me 
or I could reject them as lies. And something dawned on me. The power of God actually came. And suddenly, his power entered my mind. And all I could say is that by God's grace, I accepted his truth instead of believing what she said. I rejected the lies. And it became clear that what she was speaking was actually sourced out of such darkness. It's one thing with somebody that you trust to insult you, or like someone you know, but to have somebody who's so obviously broken to say these things over you, I knew it was like demonic or something. Like I knew that it was Satan. These couldn't be true. And so I was able in that to actually fight them and be like, these aren't true. And I started to engage in truth. So God prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He was right there at that table, speaking truth to me all along, while other people were literally speaking lies. God also promises that his goodness and his mercy will follow us all the rest of our days. And that's, it's God's goodness that allowed me to see that situation and not be overcome by it. He was there, and he, know, he knew that ultimately I needed to deal with this. This is a lie that I wasn't going to keep on believing, not in Paris, not in France, and not in Canada. So my journal entries began to change. Instead of, why did you make me this way, God? It became, thank you for making me this way, God. Instead of, how can I love myself well? It became, how can I love others well? I was, a lot, I was able to visualize myself at the banqueting table with Jesus, knowing that he's the greatest host. He knew all along who was coming to sit beside me, and he had it all beautifully under control. This painful circumstance was transformational, and it allowed me to encounter God as truth, and truth sets us free. So to rewrite your narrative, it requires, first of all, a really honest encounter with God. For me, it came in the form of a French model. But for you, it could be right here in chapel, or it could be in D group. But it can happen. God does want to meet you. But beyond that, it requires three key things. And those three things, I suggest, are creating intentional space to experience God's presence, ferociously holding on to the truth and being in an honest community. God's presence and goodness and mercy is revealed to us when we're with him. And we have full-time access to him because his Holy Spirit lives within us. You must then hold on to that truth whenever the lies vying for a position in your heart and in your behavior and in your soul. The truth alone won't set you free. But holding on to the truth in the face of a lie over and over and over again will. And that's precisely what my vision and my goal is with the river. I'm hoping to create a space where we can have those three things, where we can encounter God's presence, hold on to the truth, and be an honest community together. And so I also want to just get the people who are invo involved in discipleship ministries to stand up. These people, these people are people who are here and ready to deal and pray with you through lies if you're just looking for somebody, a community to talk to. And so I don't know what lies you might struggle with, 
but the Lord is here to meet you, and these people are here to pray for you if you need that. And um, the river meets tonight, Tuesday nights, at 9 in Alumni Hall, and the challenge if you're a dude meets in, um, I think it meets up there in that gym room, I'm actually not sure. Yeah, it's great, awesome. And they're at 9 as well, and we're all here so that we can encounter more of the freedom in Christ together. So I went a little bit over time, so I'm just going to quickly pray and release you guys. But thanks for listening to me. So, Jesus, thank you so much for today. And God, thank you that you are God that wants to set us free. And that you don't stop at the little things. You're after our true freedom. And so God, I pray that you would just be with every student as they go today. And that they would not be defined by the lies that they believe about themselves. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message has challenged, encouraged, and inspired you as we continue learning and growing together in discipleship to Jesus. Every week, you'll find new chapel messages on our channel from local and international speakers ranging in diverse and engaging topics. So go ahead and subscribe for the latest of what's going on in chapel. Much love and happy listening.